0: Right. Right. I understand that. All right, man. Well, look, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But anyway, OK. <laughs> All right. Well, look, Steve, you know, this past Monday was uh, Labor Day. So we have another Labor Day that's uh, gone and passed. And we saw parades that took place um this past uh, Monday uh, we saw speeches made things like this but a lot of people don't know the history of Labor Day and really the history of the labor movement and there are african-american roots to the Labor Day holiday also that are not talked about as well okay so that's what uh, that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. All right, so uh, Labor day is observed on the first Monday in September and uh labor day pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of american workers uh and and the labor movement as well now it was created by the labor movement in the late 18th in the late 19th century and became a federal holiday in 1894 and there's a very interesting history behind how labor day became a federal holiday now the passage now this was uh 1894 was signed into law by president grover cleveland OK, so the passage of Labor Day was sort of a peace offering from President Grover Cleveland for the killing of a dozen or more striking railway workers in 1894. Because when you deal with the labor movement and them, uh, the labor movement getting a uh, eight hour workday and vacation and breaks and um, child labor laws and things like this. There's a bloody history behind this as well that oftentimes is not talked about. So Labor Day also symbolizes the um, unofficial end of summer for many Americans. We know usually the day after Labor Day, many children go back to school. So it's uh, a celebration for many parents. There's Liberation Day for many parents, but doom and gloom for a lot of children. But we know the official end of summer does not come, Steve, until September 20th, Uh, Or September 21st normally which is the autumnal equinox which gets into astronomy and that marks the first day of fall That's the official that's when uh, Summer officially ends. Okay, so we oftentimes see uh, Labor Day celebrated with parties and parades athletic events things like this And because of the commercialization of Labor Day Many people don't know the history uh, of Labor Day. So you're going to see the first Labor Day uh, parade take place uh, September 5th 1882 in New York City where you're gonna have uh, um, 10,000 workers um, take the day off Uh, they did not get paid for that day off and uh, they're gonna march in New York City and uh, you're going to see um, on May 11th 1894 the Pullman Palace Car Company employees are going to go on strike The Pullman Palace car companies are going to uh, pull it. Pullman Palace car company employees uh, are going to go on strike. But the African-American Pullman porters that we oftentimes hear a lot about when we study African-American history. And there was actually a documentary about the Pullman porters um, uh, aired on. PBS, uh, I think it was last year, they were not able to strike because they were not able to join the white union. All right. So when we look at uh, some of the uh, history Labor Day, we see in the late 1800s at the height of the Industrial Revolution in the United States. So so, um, uh, the average uh, American worker worked 12 hour days and seven day weeks in order to uh, scratch out a basic living. So despite restrictions in some states, children as young as five or six years old toiled in uh, mills and factories and and mines, things like this across the country, earning a fraction of what the adults uh, were able to earn also, okay? So what's gonna happen is um, this is going to later be one of the things that the unions negotiate for these child labor laws also okay um, now people of all ages particularly the uh very poor and recent immigrants often face extremely unsafe working conditions with insufficient access to air sanitary conditions or sanitary facilities and work breaks lunch breaks uh uh 15-minute breaks things like this these are all going to be things that the unions negotiate for and What's oftentimes talked about is how immigrants coming to this country go to work in in factories. And if we look at, uh, Steve, after the Civil War ends uh, in 1865, you're going to have a lot of uh, your large labor unions founded. We see the National Labor Union founded in 1866. We see other labor unions like the uh, American Federation of Labor, AFL, with Samuel Gompers, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. We see that. Uh, founded sometime after slavery ends as well. Well, it was the enslaved Africans who had the majority of the skills in this country. There were at least 262 skills, trades, and crafts that we had in this country from 1619 to 1865. And we were largely working for free after slavery ends. We're going to see a lot of these large labor unions created and they were created to protect jobs for white men. Uh, to keep African-Americans out of these unions okay and they're going to have contracts with various industries that you can only hire white men that belong to these unions then from about 1866 to 1880 we're going to see about 12 million European immigrants coming to this country and a lot of the jobs that they got should have gone to us because we were the ones doing the work but the other thing was is that even though they got these jobs their labor is going to be largely exploited they're going to be paid very low wages. They're going to work in unsanitary conditions, et cetera. Okay. So uh, I'm not against labor unions. I'm against racism in labor unions. Okay. Labor unions have their purpose, and labor unions have done a lot of good things. But when we study the origins, of a lot of these labor unions it comes out of white supremacy and racism and it comes out of a of a need to keep to lock african americans out of these opportunities and if you read uh the book um how white folks got so rich the untold story of american white supremacy uh, from the nation uh from the nation of islam research group is very very well documented they talk about how the labor union movement of the late 1800s has arguably done more to destroy black progress than any other known action of white people, yet it is almost totally invisible in the written histories of black America, okay? So, mm-hmm, well, no. Oh, absolutely, the origins. So you always have to deal with the origins of something. hmm Right. hmm Right. hmm Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, 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 not only that, we, we, we have to look at in the construction trades, how African-Americans have been systematically locked out of construction trades also. So, so, so go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm. Right. 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 Well, mm-hmm. right. well if, if, if African-Americans, if African-Americans stay silent and don't leverage our, the economic power, we do have. See, if you don't punish people for mistreating you, they're going to keep mistreating. you. See, it has to be more than the three million. The punishment for mistreating African-Americans has to be more than the three million dollar fine that the illegals have to pay because they already had that factored into the equation. See, we, we, we have to understand what we're dealing with, man. They're playing grandmaster level chess. We're playing, we're playing beginners checkers that don't even understand all the rules to checkers. So, so people that have respect for themselves don't allow people to get away with, with disrespecting them. This is why I'm glad national action network is, 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 uh, has a protest against kid rock, you know, because people if 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 you had an artist uh that uh wrapped themselves in a Nazi flag, what do you think would happen? Jews wouldn't tolerate that. They wouldn't tolerate a a, a corporation in the city of Detroit having this person headline and open uh the performances at their new stadium and have a restaurant. They wouldn't tolerate that. See, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you, Again, away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. And what you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. OK, so when we look at the origins of Labor Day and we look at the origins, uh, the early history of labor unions, OK, we're going to find that. Uh, uh, you're going to have a rise of them when you have the industrial revolution. And it's important to note, Steve, so the industrial revolution starts in uh, Great Britain in about the, um, uh, the, you have them in the uh, 17th and 18th centuries. Okay. It's important to note that because of an almost unlimited amount of natural resources in Africa and Europeans gained the control of these resources this caused the Industrial Revolution to be able to take place. It's important for people to understand that because you need raw materials. Where did they get the raw materials from? Okay, they didn't largely come from the US. So when you study the history of this, this is one of the byproducts of the transatlantic slave trade. Oftentimes, when we talk about it, we just talk about the human capital taken out, but we don't talk about the raw materials that Europeans got a hold to. That allowed them, that that allowed the Industrial Revolution to take place. Okay. So, as manufacturing increasingly replaces an agricultural basis um, as the wellspring of American employment, labor unions, which had first appeared in the late 18th century, the late 1700s was where we're going to first see labor unions. We're going to see a lot of small labor unions then. They're going to grow more prominent and more vocal. Okay, because you have a a a, a replacing of an agricultural basis with a manufacturing basis in this country, and you have a rise of the industrial revolution here in the U.S. in the 1800s. Okay, so the labor unions began organizing strikes and rallies to protest poor conditions, and compel employers to renegotiate hours and pay. So, many of these events turned violent during this period of time, including the infamous uh, Haymarket uh, riot of eighteen eighty six in which several Chicago policemen and workers were were killed. Uh, others gave rise to long standing uh traditions on september fifth eighteen eighty two you 're going to have ten thousand uh workers who took unpaid time off to march from City Hall to Union Square in New York City. And this became the first Labor Day parade in U.S. history. The first Labor Day parade in U.S. history. This was 1882, okay? So this was 12 years before Labor Day becomes a federal holiday. Now, the idea of a working man's or working man's holiday celebrated on the first Monday in September, caught on in other industrial cities across the country, and many states passed legislation recognizing, uh, and recognizing it, uh, but Congress would not uh, legalize uh, Labor Day as a federal holiday until 12 years later, 1894, okay? And this was basically, what caused this to happen was basically a watershed moment in American labor history um, And this brought uh, uh, this brought the plight of American workers and labor union right into the public view. So what happened, Steve, was on May 11th, 1894, employees of the Pullman Palace Car Company named after George Pullman, the Pullman Palace Car Company in Chicago. They're going to go on strike to protest wage cuts. And the firing of union representatives. Okay, so a a economic um, uh, you had an economic downturn in the economy at that point, and uh, George Pullman had to cut wages by twenty five percent. Okay, and uh, and he cut, he cut union representative. Also, this caused a backlash. However, the African American Pullman porters could not strike. Because they were not not allowed to join the white union, okay? And they had another set of grievances, which dealt with the mistreatment, which which dealt with racism, things like this, right? So when we look at this this Pullman Palace Car Company strike uh, that starts May 11th, 1894, it began uh, as unrest in the Illinois town founded by George Pullman called Pullman, Illinois, Okay. He was the creator of the uh, railroad sleeping car and he founded the Pullman Palace Car Company. This guy founded a town in Illinois for his employees. Okay. He starts his company in 1867. So this town, Pullman, Illinois, was just outside of Chicago and it had been built as a, a quote unquote utopian home for his walkers. But the utopia was designed to serve George Pullman above all oil, above all others. Uh, And this was according to uh, PBS.org has a really good article dealing with uh, public broadcasting system. They have a really good article dealing with the origins of of, uh, Labor Day. Okay, now uh, in the article from PBS, they say, quote, its residents referring to Pullman, Pullman, Illinois, P-U-L-L-M-A-N. It's residents all worked for the Pullman company, their paychecks drawn from Pullman Bank because he owned a bank also. And their rent set by George Pullman deducted automatically from their weekly paychecks. Okay, so this is this. When people talk about the Pullman porters, this part of the history is often not talked about how you had this. This white man who has so much money, he could found a town, create a bank and house his employees in this town. OK, and then he had their rent automatically deducted from their paychecks that he issued to them. So from 1880 to 1893, all seen well in Pullman, Illinois, until an economic depression prompted George Pullman to cut employees' wages. So he cuts employees' wages by 25%, but their rent remained remained the same. So he cuts their wages by 25%, their rent remained the same, and this is going to lead to the uh, Pullman Palace Car Company strike of May 11, 1894. So the workers are going to walk out. Now, in solidarity with these workers, members of the American Railway Union, the american railway union okay founded by a uh, eugene v debs who was a socialist eugene v debs they took up the cause and 150,000 members of the american railway union referred, re- refused to work on trains that carried the pullman palace car company cars the porter cars okay so these were cars they had sleeping um uh, facilities in these cars. Uh, the Pullman porters catered to all the needs of the uh, of the people who rode in these uh, Pullman cars, and this prompted a nationwide transportation nightmare. This brought transportation to, uh, by train to a, a to a halt or to a grinding halt, okay? Because of this, sh- uh, because the, the the American Railway Union stood in solidarity with the White Pullman uh, Palace Car Company employees. So on June. uh, So this was June 26, 1894, that the American Railway Union employees get involved in this in this strike. okay, and this crippled uh, railroad traffic nationwide. So to break this strike, the federal government, President Grover Cleveland, okay, is going to dispatch troops to Chicago. It's estimated about 12,000 U.S. troops were dispatched to Chicago. To break up this strike and this unleashed a wave of riots that resulted in the deaths of more than a dozen workers. So in the wake of this massive unrest and in an attempt to repair the ties with American workers, the U.S. Congress passed an act making Labor Day a legal holiday. In the District of Columbia, uh in, in the in the U.S., the District of Columbia and territories, okay? And this is going to pass Congress in six days, and it's going to be signed into law by President Grover Cleveland. So more than a century later, the true founder of Labor Day has yet to be identified, but the origins of this of this holiday most people don't know about, and the bloody origins of it. So the Atlantic, the Atlantic magazine. Uh, in an article from the Atlantic, they said that it was America's first true nationwide strike and a major milestone for the labor movement, but it didn't end well for anyone. So President Grover Cleveland under pressure from the railroad industry and the U.S. Postal Service, because the U.S. Postal Service transported their mail on the railway car, on the the trains, right? So um, they they... Uh, pleaded with him to get involved in the end this strike. Okay, so he, district, he declared the strike a federal crime and is going to send the union send the uh, the troops in to break up the strike. So David Ray Papke, P A P K E, who's the author of the Pullman case, P U L L M A N, describes the rioting and arson that ensued and was suppressed. Uh, while death counts vary uh, by some sources. It was estimated that 12 people uh, were killed, all right? So while the strike came to an abrupt end and the Pullman employees promised never again to unionize, President Grover Cleveland's popularity suffered, especially among the labor movement's working class, okay? So making Labor Day a national... Uh, Holiday in 1894 was uh, his election year attempt at an olive branch and trying to in trying to mend the fences. But he did not uh, win reelection. Also, he, he did not win reelection. OK, so um, I know we're coming up on a break. When we come back, we'll talk some about the Pullman porters and we'll talk some about the African-American roots of Labor Day as well. Yeah. Sure. We, we should have economic withdrawal strategy. I'm not against the mass protest because just this morning on Channel uh 7 WXYZ, they ran the story and Kid Rock's response and things like this. Right. So I'm not against the mass protest. But Dr. King was correct. April 3rd, 1968, he said we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. So when you have mass protests, you need to have economic withdrawal strategies to go along with it. Mm.
1: hmm hmm.
0: Right. Well, I think. Well, I think what they want to do, mass protests are designed to draw attention to the problem, to galvanize support around the problem, to draw media attention so you can inform people about the problem uh, and, and, and uh, galvanize support and bring people into your plan of action. So I think they may want to draw more attention to it and bring awareness to it. But you also have that's the bark. But it's the bite that kills. So the bite is the economic withdrawal. So there should be economic withdrawal strategies, and don't buy any more Little Caesars pizzas, or or don't buy. I, I wouldn't buy any uh uh uh, was, uh Little Caesars uh any of the personally me. I wouldn't buy any paraphernalia of the teams that the illichs own. You got to redistribute the pain when people mistreat you. What about breadsticks? I mean, if, if if you want to, but I I wouldn't. You know, I hope you had some prune juice along with those breadsticks. Yes, sir. Alright, how's everybody doing? Let me try to uh mute this here. Okay. So let me test things. How's everybody doing? We're broadcasting on Facebook Live. I'm on 9 10 AM, the Super Station, the Voice of Detroit. Wake up with Steve Hood. Can you all hear me? So you all should be able to hear me. Let me test this out. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Okay. So y'all can hear me. Okay, good. Good. So I had to mute the okay. show. So y'all can hear me. Okay. All right. So I had to mute the show. So how's everybody doing this morning? It's early in the morning. So the time of Steve Hood's show changed. It was, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and I would be on 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. But it's show change to 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. So my segment is an hour and I'm doing it from the office. I'm doing it from home. <laughs> OK, because it's early to drive into this station. All right. So we'll be back from break in a couple of minutes. Um We're talking about the uh, African-American route to Labor Day, African-American route to Labor Day. Um. And some of the history of Labor Day as well, okay. And this ties into uh, the labor unions is, uh, also, okay. This ties into that history. Hey, be sure to uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork dot com. AfricanHistoryNetwork dot com. Uh, we have a lot of information there for you. All of my DVD presentations are there. All my DVD lectures are there. And uh, you can register for the online course that I teach: Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. OK, um, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. And um, we'll be back in a uh, we'll be back here in a few minutes. Um. This is Michael Mhotep, and uh, I am a guest on, I'm doing my weekly segment on Wake Up With Steve Hood on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation of Voice of Detroit. So I'm at the office calling into uh, the show, okay, because I uh, normally I'm in studio, but his show changed the 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. So my segment is 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. as opposed to 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So it's early. Uh, to be in the office. Maybe next week I'll be in the studio. I don't know, but this week I'm not in the studio. Okay. Um, hey, listen to the African listen to the African History Network show tonight, uh, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Okay. Um, so check us out there as well, and we'll broadcast on Facebook Live also. And um, we'll be back from break in just a minute here. How's everybody doing this morning did you go to Howard No, I didn't go to Howard University I graduated from Wayne State University uh, so we're gonna post information here about the online course that I teach so I do the sessions on Friday 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh ancient Kemet the Moors and the Maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school so uh, as soon as you register for the course you can um, watch the first four sessions and we have about 20 hours of bonus content and then you'll be ready for you'll be ready for a class uh on Fridays so all the sessions are recorded you can watch it over and over again if you miss anything okay and let's see we're coming back from break here in just a minute All right, stand by. How's everybody doing this morning? It's early in the morning. All right, so. Okay, so we just posted the information for my online class Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And then. Um, We have a bundle pack that's on sale right now. Also, my DVD presentations, uh, "Redistributing the Pain" bundle pack. You get six of my DVD presentations. You get six in my DVD presentations for one low price. We'll post that link also. On sale, forty dollars. "Redistributing the Pain" bundle pack. <coughs> All right. Stand by. We're coming back in a couple of minutes here from the break. All right. Stand by, guys. And I'm going to post the link for this. Uh... <coughs> yes. All right. Well, hey, uh, visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, you can also register for the online course that I teach Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We do that on Friday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. Uh, this Saturday, I'll be at um, Grits and Politics. Grits and Politics is coming up this Saturday. Uh, it is at Greater Emmanuel Institutional Church of God in Christ, One Nine One Nine Zero Schaefer Highway, One Nine One Nine Zero Schaefer Highway, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, This Saturday, it's uh, September 9th, uh, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. This uh, this topic this time is how do we take the ghetto out of our economics? How do we take the ghetto out of our economics? I didn't come up with that title. But it's dealing with um, uh, legitimatizing your business. Getting your business ready, whether it's to get contracts, legitimatizing your business, making your business a legitimate business, making your side hustle a legitimate business. Okay. And, um, for more information, call, uh, 313-213-4121. Uh, 313, uh, I'm sorry, 313 215 Uh, Three, one, three, two, one, five, four one two one uh three, one, three, two, one five, four one two one, uh tickets are twenty dollars, and breakfast is served also, breakfast is served, and I'll be on the panel, we're gonna have a panel discussion, I will be on the panel as well mhm okay. All right. Absolutely, man. I'm, uh, I'll text uh, Keith Williams uh, to have him uh, send you some information. Definitely. Okay. All right, man. All right. No problem. Okay. Well, um, right before the break, Steve, we were talking about the um, um, African-American, well, we were talking about the origins of um, Labor Day. And uh, I talked a little bit uh, briefly about the Pullman Porters as well. Okay. Uh, and we talked about the Labor Day strike um we talked about the strike May 11th 1894 that's going to lead to uh the Labor Day holiday being signed into law later in 1894 so when we look at the um the Pullman porters okay so the Pullman porters worked for the Pullman Palace Car Company which was founded by a uh, uh Chicago industrialist George Pullman uh in uh 1867 and when a Pullman car was leased to a railroad company it was equipped with highly trained porters to serve the travelers the cars were staffed with, with recently freed slaves okay because this starts in 1867 all right the cars were staffed with recently freed slaves whom George Pullman judged to be skilled in service and willing to work for low wages so soon the Pullman Palace Car Company was the largest employer of African Americans in the country with the greatest concentration of Pullman porters living on the Chicago on Chicago South Side. Okay. So Labor Day was um um uh, okay so, so we talked about the, the history of that going back to 1894. But the strike, the Labor Day strike did not include Pullman porters or conductors on trains, but um the, the African-American Pullman porters, they had grievances that dealt with racism um, and a mistreatment, the, the, uh, uh, low wages, uh, things like this. Okay, So they had another set of grievances, which were in many ways separate from the white union strikers. So in their neighborhoods, these African-American Pullman porters were consi- uh, the, the job of being a Pullman porter was considered a very prestigious condition, a position, I should say. Uh, the job offered a steady income, an opportunity to travel across the country, and a life largely free of heavy physical labor, which was where, rare for African Americans at this point in time, okay? So 1870s, 1880s, even early in the, in the early 1900s. African Americans many of them were still dealing with a agricultural basis so they were farmers or they may have been sharecroppers different things like this so the Pullman porter uh position even though there were low wages it did give them other opportunities okay and that's that's undeniable so uh you have a his an African American historian named uh Tem- Black And Tumuel Black said about the Pullman Porters, quote, they were good looking, clean and immaculate in their dress. Their style was quite manly. Their language was very carefully crafted so that they had a sense of intelligence about them. They were good role models for young men. Um, and I'm not sure how many people saw the documentary on Pullman Porters that, uh, PBS aired. I think it was last year during African American History Month, but you may go to PBS.org and see if, uh, search for Pullman Porters, P U L L M A N, see if you can get some information on that. But the Pullman Porters were also mistreated, underpaid, overworked, and subjected to countless indignities on the job. Um, uh, Jean, uh, Greg Leroy, is a former, a former Pullman porter and a historian. Greg LaRory talking about the conditions that the Pullman porters worked in said, quote, a Pullman porter was really kind of a glorified hotel maid and bellhop in what George Pullman called a hotel on wheels. Um, the Pullman company just thought of the porters as a piece of equipment, just like another button on a panel, the same as a light switch or a fan switch. OK, so George Pullman demanded that 400 hours uh, he, he demanded other Pullman porters uh, that they work either 400 hours a month or 11000 miles, sometimes as much as 20 hours a stretch. And it paid ridiculously low wages. So in 1926, Steve, an average Pullman porter, their actual wages that were paid were eight hundred and ten dollars a year. Okay. And today's money, that's approximately $7,500 a year. Okay. So, um, it, it didn't pay a livable wage, but they made a living with tips that they got because the salary was nothing. And, and this is what Lynn Hughes, uh, who is, uh, part of the, a Philip Randolph Pullman Porter museum, uh, stated. So the company, the Pullman uh, Palace Car Company expected its employees to pay for their own meals, supply their own uniforms and shoe polish, and allow them uh, only short naps on, on couches in the smoking car. This Grano Pullman Porters began to question their situation and decided to take on the enormously powerful uh, uh, company, the Pullman Company. In 1925, Steve, the uh, Pullman Porters formed a union called the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. And this marked the beginning of a 12 year struggle for dignity between working conditions and fair pay. Um, And the uh, the leaders of the uh, Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters union were a Philip Randolph, a former porter, uh, a Philip Randolph and a former porter, Milton Ah uh, Webster uh, who was head of a uh, head of the Chicago Union local, so their eventual triumph marked the first time in American history that a black union forced a powerful corporation to ne- to the negotiating table, and this was a significant step forward for uh, African Americans to gain uh, equal rights and we know that a Philip Randolph is going to uh, become instrumental in the civil rights movement. And, uh, uh, he was looked at as one of the big six Negro leaders also. So the, uh, union members of the brotherhood of sleeping car porters learned how to organize and negotiate. Okay. They discovered that even in a time of great prejudice in America, African Americans could could effect change could bring about change if they stood together, and persevered. Once again, let me repeat this. The African-Americans who organized and members of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, they realized even at a time of of racial prejudice and racism in America, okay, in the the late 1920s, 1930s, they realized that they could bring about change if they stood together and persevered. Okay. And, and these tactics, Steve would later be applied to the civil rights movement. So even though we look at the, the modern day civil rights movement starting in December of 1955, December 5th, 1955 with the Montgomery bus boycott, or some people take it back to, uh, August of 1955 with the killing of Emmett Till, August 28th, 1955, and what takes place afterwards, the trial and the, and the support uh, given to his family and the international attention uh, of, of this execution of this 14-year-old African-American male. And, and his cousin, Simeon Wright, just passed away this past Monday. I don't know if you talked about that, Steve. But Simeon Simeon Wright uh, was 74 years old. He died of bone cancer. And he was the cousin to Emmett Till, and he was there in the bedroom that night uh august 28th the morning of august 28th 1955 when the two white men uh rory bryant and jw Millum, came into his bedroom and took and kidnapped emmett teal okay so he was there and he actually wrote a book back in 2010 setting the record straight and talking about what actually happened so emmett teal's cousin simeon wright just passed away this past monday but um, we see the beginning of the civil rights movement in 1955 with the seeds of the civil rights movement were planted. We can go back to 1925 and in the 1930s. We see the seeds of the civil rights movement uh, being planted. Um, th- uh, the Root.com had a had a good article, Steve, in a, in a video clip uh, the, uh, from September 4th, 2017. America's racist history of labor. America's racist history of, of labor. I want to go to this uh, clip right now which just give some more insight into this history.
1: 7 p.m. 9 p.m. Is standard Time. All American workers. Black Pullman importers weren't allowed to participate in the strike because they were not allowed in the union. But they wanted to be. Black people were organizing unions way back then, too. Some scholars even date black unions to as early as 1838, and in 1865, some African-Americans were in white-collar professions, like doctors and lawyers, while some women filled blue-collar jobs, like artisans, farm workers, laborers, servants, and clockers. Speaking of ship caulkers, this is Isaac Myers. Born a free man in Baltimore in 1835, he started working as a ship at 16. In the late 1850s, the white caulkers went on strike and even rioted against the well-unionized black caulkers, who were sometimes paid more than them because of collective bargaining with Baltimore shipyard owners. Ultimately, the shipyard fired about 1,000 black workers, including Myers. Isaac Myers and other African-American laborers organized a black-run cooperative shipyard, the Chesapeake Marine Railway and the Dry Dock Company, and they essentially employed themselves. Uh, Entrepreneurship, y'all. 300 black workers were employed through this cooperative. The shipyard was leased for 20 years, then it was returned to the Sona. This success eventually led to one of the first national black labor organizations, the Colored National Labor Union. Myers became its first president in 1869. Their demands were simple, improve work conditions, eliminate discrimination within unions, and develop a national system of public education with equal opportunities for blacks. Over 200 delegates attended the first CNLU convention in 1869 and two representatives met with President Ulysses S. Grant. Frederick Douglass became their second president in 1872. But the CNLU soon dissolved after becoming divided over supporting the Republican Party or the National Labor Reform Party. Though the CNLU existed for less than five years, it led to the incorporation of black workers into white labor unions, like the Knights of Labor. It also paved the way for black labor unions, like the Brotherhood of Speaking Porters. Established by A. Philip Randolph in 1925, this was the first African-American union to receive a charter in the American Federation of Labor, which later became the AFL-CIO. Randolph went on to become an outspoken leader in the civil rights movement. Finally, the work of black labor unions was recognized. Well, kind of, sort of. This is America, y'all.
0: All right, so... That was from um, theroot.com, theroot.com. They have an article from September 4, 2017, America's Racist History of Labor, America's Racist History of Labor. Check that out. And um, also, Steve, they talked about um, Frederick Douglass in the clip there. Right. So Frederick Douglass criticized the race prejudice of immigrant labor organizations, which excluded African-American freemen. Okay, recently freed uh, uh, slaves, and Frederick Douglass once remarked that his son could more easily become an apprentice in a Boston law firm than in any working man's organization. Uh, his son could more easily become an apprentice in a Boston law firm than in any working man's organization. Okay, and this dealt, this dealt with the racism of the labor unions and designed uh, the ones created after slavery ends, designed to lock African Americans out of these jobs that we have been doing largely for free from 1619 to 1865 yes so I encourage people check out the um, article from uh, blackpass.org uh, Frederick Douglas uh frederick douglas from blackpass.org 1817 to 1895 also uh for more information um history.com has a good article on late called labor day from history.com official website of the history channel uh, time.com time magazine has an article how a bloody railroad strike paved the way for labor day how a bloody railroad strike paved the way for labor day and then um uh, com has a really good article, um uh, celebrating the role Pullman Porters played in the creation of the Labor Day holiday. Celebrating the role Pullman Porters played in the creation of the Labor Day holiday. Mm hmm. And the stuff that lady has already pled guilty to, not Monica, but the other woman that was, in, you know, in, in tra- indicted. Right. She's already pled guilty. If you know the history of the labor unions, how the hell could you think of bastardizing it in the way that lady that pled guilty did, you know? Well, I think a lot of our people, they may know some of the history of the labor unions. Some people may not know the early history and how a lot of the large labor unions were created right after slavery ends and designed to lock African-Americans out of opportunity. They may know about racism in maybe the early 1900s or the racism that goes on today. Uh, I mean, you, for instance, Samuel Gompers, who was one of the founders of the American Federation of Labor, uh, he, ta- he, you know, he, said, he, he said, quote, Caucasian civilization will serve notice to blacks. That it's uplifting process is not to be interfered with interfered with in any way. Uh, He was one who wanted to keep African-Americans out of labor unions. And there was a common union expression that said, never let an N word pick up a tool. Never, never let an N word pick up a tool. So they may not. Uh, even though they may know about racism within the labor unions, they may not know how these labor unions were organized shortly after slavery ended to lock African-Americans out of these jobs that we were doing and how these jobs were given to immigrants coming to this country, okay? And this is one of the things that that continue to maldistribute wealth in this country, and, and these are some of the, you know, these will probably be some of the same people if they were alive today who would tell African-Americans to lift themselves up by their own bootstraps. But they're not dealing with how the racism of the past and the maldistribution of wealth in the past and opportunities, how that uh, shows up in the wealth gap that exists today. All right. Michael, yes. we're about ready to bring this thing to a close. Tell people where they can find you, buddy uh African dot com, dot com, and I'll be at the uh, um, Grits and Politics this Saturday, one nine one nine zero Schaefer Highway that is um, uh, Greater Emmanuel uh, church of uh, Greater Emmanuel Church okay and we we'll, we should have information on our website today about that African History dot com dot com. All right
1: Michael Matebo I want to thank you for joining us Hopefully you can join us again next Thursday. Oh, yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll send an Uber and get you out here in studio
0: because I don't want you driving on the road that early. you just be a dangerous black man
1: <laughs> on the
0: road that early. Right. All right, buddy. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. Might Thanks, man. On the tap. Have a good day. All right. Yep. Okay, guys. How's everybody doing? All right. So. I was doing my segment this morning on uh, 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the voice of Detroit. We're dealing with the origins of Labor Day and the African-American roots of Labor Day. Looks like, uh, okay, it's almost 7 a.m. Looks like um, um, news one now with Roland Martin is about to come on. Okay, so we'll be back on uh, 8 p.m. tonight for the um, African History Network show back on 8 p.m. tonight um, for the African History Network show and I wanted to post this link here for the uh, redistributing the pain bundle pack also Uh, that's on sale right now it's a 6 DVD uh, set if you have any questions go ahead and post your questions also it's uh, so a six d v d uh set you get all my you get six of my d v d presentations including my presentation dealing with the history of the nat turner rebellion of um of eighteen thirty one the history of the nat turner rebellion of eighteen thirty one that as well okay Here we go. We'll post the link here. So that's a $95 value that's on sale right now for $40. Okay. The redistributing the pain bundle pack. You can um, order that now. And let me take a look at some of your comments here on Facebook. Okay. So, um, okay. We just posted a link there. Artemis. Artemis said could black in America be the Moors that ruled Spain for 800 years until we were defeated in 1400 well 1492 last stronghold in Grenada was uh, was relinquished Uh, you had Moors who were here you had you had Moors who were here and you're going to have some Moors that stay in Spain you're going to have some that are are uh, who are going to leave some are going to be enslaved and sent into Spanish territories and some are going to be um, leave on their own um, you're going to have some Moors who are already here but uh, but to say that African Americans are the Moors that were kicked out of Spain. Now that's not, that would be, that would not be historically accurate. It, but we have to understand that African people were here in this land. We call the United States of America, even before the Moors came into existence. We've been here continuously going back at least 51,700 years. Um, the Khoisan who come from Southern Africa were here. Uh, then also you're going to have, um, a presence from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt that was here as well okay so so hey share this broadcast on your own Facebook page, invite your friends to tune in also broadcast on here share this broadcast on your own Facebook page Invite your, invite your friends to tune in as well okay alright look we gotta get out of here uh, Talk to you all later. Peace. Remember, um, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now is corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. All right. Talk to you next time. We'll talk to you. uh, We'll be back this evening, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. The African History Network show on the Blog Talk Radio Network and uh, we'll be broadcasting here on Facebook Live as well. Talk to you next time. Peace.